1: what's up y'all this is one royal way here on kansas city sports network i'm joel penfield thank y'all so much for joining me for this episode uh thank you for uh bearing with me last week because i could not find a guest but i have one this week my good pal my best friends uh, since college Braden foster we both went to uh to oklahoma state together and he is a, as diehard a royals fan as i am so i had to get i had to throw him a bone and get him on here once what's going on buddy
2: nothing much man thanks for having me on uh, I guess I get my my 45 minutes of fame here um, I get to speak for for all Kansas Cityans um, growing up there I, I grew up in Kansas City my whole life I moved down to Dallas a couple of years ago so I am not in Kansas City currently but I I grew up going to many many a baseball game for a, a below 500 team um, just just watching every year it fold in you know May instead of august like it does now so uh we'll uh we'll get into hopefully we'll get into some of the newer stuff today and we don't have to dwell on the past <laughs> we
1: don't have to dwell on the past too much no i mean well unlike most people in kansas city you can actually watch a royals game without a vpn yes. so that's kind of nice i'm, I'm sure yeah, no matter how bad the team is you at least get to watch your, your hometown club but like our our friendship began during the 2015 World Series run, we were freshmen we were both freshmen in college. We lived in the same fraternity house and spent every night in his room watching the Royals games as the down stretch, uh and then culminating in jumping up and down like idiots in the living room of the house when game five of the world series ended. So in a, of, a house a where nobody fans.
2: else cared,
1: <laughs> no one else cared at all. Cause they were all bitter Texas Rangers fans. They,
2: they were either Rangers fans or they didn't watch baseball. So it was just, it was an experience to see 40 other people look at you like a hooligan, but it didn't matter.
1: <laughs> hey, it was worth it. They got a, we got a flag and coffin stadium to look at. Exactly. We will always hold on to that. But before we get into what we've seen over the last couple of weeks of this show, as always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, let's hear a quick word from them.
3: From the beginning, we knew right away that we want to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times, it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room.
1: Thank you, as always, to KCSC for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. All right, buddy, so we actually had a winning road trip. We actually have, a, like, a little bit of a winning record to talk about here. Uh, they played the Giants, the uh, Oakland A's, and the Los Angeles Angels uh, on a nine-game West Coast swing. They go five and four. The Giants are really good. The fact they were able to get one game out of there on, like, the, on the getaway Wednesday, that was nice to see. You take two or three from oakland and then you take two or three from the angels in a one of the most wild games of the year on that tuesday winning 12 to 11 in uh in extra innings but overall just some of your thoughts on what you saw the last week i mean a winning record for i know it's not saying a lot considering there's still 20 games or so below 500 but it's at least at least gives us something right
2: yeah, and it, it shows a lot about the team that you can go out to the West Coast and actually win, you know, like you said, you win one game in, in San Francisco, and that's huge with how good they are. Um, and then, you know, you should beat the A's. That's that's kind of like, you know, beating up the redheaded stepchild. You should be able to do that. That That's something that you should be sweeping them. But then again, people are saying the same thing about the Royals. So, And then, you know, always the Angels are – you know, all over the place. But I think, I think it showed a lot of heart and especially after that um, extra innings when to be able to go out there, have that long nine day stretch and, you know, look like you've done it before, especially with a team that's got some, some young guys, it's got some vets on it. Um, but a lot of dudes, you know, are still trying to find where they fit in the program. Um, so I thought, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. played awesome. We're going to talk about him a lot. Um, the pitching held up, which was kind of nice to see for once. Um, so all, all in all, uh, that's that's my analysis as someone who loves baseball but doesn't get super into the stats, um, that just watches all the games. It was it was a breath of fresh air to actually think that you can win a game once in a while.
1: Yeah, it was, it was wild. And I didn't even think they played that bad against the Giants. There were certainly some missed opportunities, but you lose 6-2 and 4-2. Against a team that's going to be in the playoffs and it, and a tough place to win in San Francisco, and you're able to sneak out a win on that uh, on that Wednesday, you go and win two or three in Oakland. You like you said, you should do that. The Oakland days are not good at all. They're bottom feeders with the Royals in the American League. The Angels, the fact they're able to get two or three, I was happy with. I didn't expect them to get two or three. That's the end of a long road trip. The Angels are tough. Obviously, you're you're playing two of the the premier players in baseball and Otani and Trout and you still managed to win a series. So that, that at least gives us something. They're coming back home. They're playing Oakland again. And then they got a three gamer against Texas. And I know Texas is a little better than they've been in the years past, but I just still don't. I think that's certainly a winnable series. You have a chance to maybe go four and two on the homestand. You're at least feeling a little bit better.
2: Yeah. And, and I think God, Texas is just, it's the Royals just seem to have those teams, right? It's, it used mm-hmm. to, you know, it's, it's the, it's Cleveland. It's the guardians now, but Cleveland and in Texas, for whatever reason, every time that I sit down and watch a game against the Rangers, they just they seem to suck. And it doesn't make any sense because they make the Rangers look like they're, you know, back in 2011, 2012 or 2016, even. And and the Royals, you know, it, it, it just it's one of those kryptonite teams where you you hope you can do it on on paper it should be a win and then you go to the game and it's just everything falls apart and some player that's hitting 150 for the rangers is hitting bombs off you
1: yep yep. That's, it always seems to feel that way the royals have a couple teams like that and a couple players that just kill them and like mm-hmm. nate low uh for the rangers hit like i think he hit 500 like 580 or something like that against the royals last year i know he yeah. absolutely tore up that opening series in 2021 so Hopefully they're able to, to curb that a little bit. I'll be at the game on Monday, so I'm hoping to see a, a win there. One of the common uh, denominators in the Royals winning a couple of those games, especially the win in San Francisco, was John Heasley. Mm-hmm. And I – dang it, I forgot. I had an Oklahoma State hat sitting around here <laughs> that I thought to grab and I did not before we started recording. So uh, that is disappointing, either. and that was going to be a great little bit on YouTube, but that is not going to be here anymore. But he goes out and throws five innings, a really good ball against the Giants, keeps the Royals in the game. And he was looking really good through about four, and f- about a little over four innings, was absolutely dialed in. Fifth inning got away from him a little bit, gives up the three-run homer to Otani, but still I believe four earned runs is the most earned runs he's given up in a, in a game this year that he has started. It's mm-hmm. been quality starts left and right for him. Uh, I really wish that I had a guest last week because I wanted so badly to talk about the – 7 inning shutout uh, outing he had against Baltimore. Yes. Is it is it a hot take to think he's been the Royals best starter to this point? At least he's been the most consistent. He has done a great job keeping the Royals in games even when he doesn't have his best stuff. He still commands the ball really well. The strikeouts are coming a little more. If he can just tighten up a couple more things and not leave, you know, those couple of fastballs over the middle of the plate, I mean, we're looking at a guy that's been one of the best starters on this team. Not a high bar to clear, but he's been that guy.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to turn into all reliable. He's going to be your dude that goes out there and just eats innings for you. Um, that like like you said, you get to the fifth inning that third time through the order that kills a lot of pitchers, and that's not that's not something that goes away um, as you you know get more experience. That's just something to always deal with. But yeah, his his composure to go out there, especially you know getting called up earlier this year and actually you know I, I was at the game when he got called up. I didn't realize it. Uh, he was the royals were down in texas they lost but he threw a solid four four innings for him um yeah it, it, they just need a guy that can be consistent you need you don't need a dude that can go out and slam the door and you know give up one or one run but if you can go okay he's going to give us five or six he's going to give up two or three runs then then you can tell your offense to go you know need four runs that's that's something that that to be able to tell your offense to have them have a goal before they even step up to the plate in the first inning is is kind of a huge huge thing for a manager and also for a pitcher to know that like you know i can go out there i can do this i've done it before and if i just get a little bit of run support maybe i can stretch it to the seventh or eighth um so just being all reliable there's nothing wrong with that uh all reliable won the royals a world series so
1: yeah exactly just
2: get it to the bullpen
1: i mean he, he's been one of the best guys of these young i say young a lot of these guys have established themselves at this point but of, of singer Coar. Well, I mean, Co-Arts on AAA, but Lynch, Bubich, and Heasley. Heasley Heasley's been the most consistent at this point. Mm-hmm. I think Singer has done a decent job so far. Uh, he kind of got blown up a couple of weeks ago, but I think he turned in a solid start in Oakland. Daniel Lynch actually had a pretty good outing in uh, on Friday night. It didn't look great early. He's still not very pitch efficient. It's a very, very young Danny Duffy where mm-hmm. you can see the stuff. You can see that everything, once it comes together, can be really nice, but... He's not very pitch efficient and walks a lot of dudes, walked five last night against uh, the Angels, but struck out 10 and five innings against the A's. So mm-hmm. the strikeout stuff, once that starts to come for him, he's going to be really nice. Bubich looked pretty good. It's still not, you know, I think the the best Chris Bubich that we've seen, but he got out, he got through five, managed to, which is not something he's done a lot of this year. And he wasn't walking a lot of guys either. So that's uh, encouraging. We're starting to see some, incremental improvements here which is nice it's just what we we you need if you want to start winning ball games these young pitchers are going to be at the forefront of that and Mm -hmm. that's that has to keep improving bobby witt jr has his first multi-home run game in that game on tuesday and it felt very kind of poetic that he took two inside fastballs and drilled them to right center just over the glove of mike trout something that mike trout has done for nearly all of his career is if you miss in, he's gonna park it. And you know Mike Trout is dialed in when he's driving balls to right center that way and peppering that that high wall and that scoreboard in right mm-hmm. center. Bobby Witt did it twice in the same game. So he's starting to get dialed in a little more. He's still got a lot of growing pains there, but the flashes are starting to come more consistently for him, which is like once he starts to figure it out he's not missing fastballs as much anymore Look out, folks, because once he starts dialing in on that fastball more, which has been the, the bugaboo for him at this point, mm-hmm. then the rest of Major League Baseball is in for a world of hurt.
2: Yeah, and, and dialing in on the fastball has got to be, I don't, you know, I'm not a hitting coach, but I feel like that would be the easiest thing to teach. Like, he knows not to swing at the curveball. He's got a good eye. You know, he, he, can, he can recognize the pitch out of hand. He just can't catch up to it when he sees it. And you can tell when he swings through a fastball up at his face. Even as he's swinging, you can see it in his eyes where he's like already thinking about that conversation with the hitting coach back on the iPad. Yeah. And and that, that'll that get ironed out. Everything else, if everything else is fine and all you have to worry about is just laying off the high fastball, it's it's going to be real dangerous. And I think it's going to flip here in the next month where he's just going to start mashing and pitchers aren't going to know what to do against him.
1: It really feels like we're we're trending in that direction. You know, it's, it hasn't been easy for a lot of these rookies. I mean, it took Julio Rodriguez about six weeks to really get going, and now he's doing really well in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Spencer Torkelson is still really struggling in Detroit. It's really, you know, Jeremy Pena in Houston has done a really nice job. Uh, you know, hopefully he comes back healthy. I think he just came off the injury list. So okay. if there's a really good crop of rookies here, and Bobby has a chance to be the best of them. And I think it's going to really be a two, two, a two maybe three-horse race between Julio, Jeremy Pena, and Bobby. I do want to ask, I want to talk more about the game on Tuesday because it was nuts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you actually stay up and watch the whole thing or were you, did you fall asleep?
2: Uh, I fell asleep. I I can't remember what was going on Tuesday. There might've been, I'm trying to think if there was like hockey on or something, but I didn't, I didn't actually watch it. I completely missed it. Um, I, you know, I, I saw all the updates the next morning and I was like, what, what happened in Anaheim? Um, So I need you to fill me in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: I, yeah I, I fell asleep in the fifth that was the yeah. crappy part it was like i went to bed super early that day and i wish i hadn't woke up you know six in the morning get ready for work and you know i'm checking my phone as i'm getting ready for you know for my coffee to get going before i can head out the door and like wait it was 12 to 11 it went to the 11th inning what happened i turned on the condensed game on my lunch break and it was nuts i mean it mm-hmm. was back and forth the royals are up you know 10 7 or they were they were up five nothing and then it goes to Six to five, and then the Royals take the lead 10 7. Otani goes deep again in the 10th the or the bottom of the ninth, and eventually the Royals end up winning in extras uh, off of Whit Merrifield RBI double. Mm-hmm. But I think that the thing that I want to take away from this, aside from the Royals, is really just as a baseball fan, like what Shohei Otani did between Tuesday and Wednesday is absolutely insane. I know that we all have our allegiances as baseball fans and fans of the Royals, but don't take for granted what Shohei is doing for the Angels. He goes out, gets three knocks, two three-run bombs, eight RBIs, and then goes out the very next day and goes eight shut with 13 strikeouts. Like, I wasn't even mad that the Royals lost two to nothing because I was just in awe of the brilliance of Shohei Mm Otani, and I never want to lose that sense of awe. Because we will never see this again. What Shohei Otani is doing will never be duplicated or even close to replicated in the history of this game. He's the most talented baseball player to ever grace a baseball diamond. And when the Angels come to Kansas City, I'm going to go to at least two of those games because I need to watch this guy play because who knows how long he's going to do it. So I I hope that everybody as a Royals fan that watched that game, watch those games, we're able to at least sit back and appreciate, like, we're watching one of the greats in the history of our sport right now.
2: Yeah, I think I think with baseball, you can appreciate somebody playing against your team a little bit more because there are so many games. Mm -hmm. You know, it – I don't know. Like, it's not every game matters, right? Like, if if the Chiefs get torn up by some stupid – you know, the – it's yeah like the jets and and some player has like the best game of his career you get mad because you're like okay that's one game out of you know 17 that you got or 18 that you got to win but i think with i think with baseball is you can sit back and you can kind of appreciate things because it's such a everything's in the aggregate and you can focus on like okay the royals are going to be good so you can focus on this one game and you can go watch this one player it's not like it's not like how i still hate madison Baumgartner for destroying the royals in 2014 like I, I understand what he did and it was incredible, but I still hate him for it. But you can appreciate it. But it's easier to appreciate Otani, because what he like you're saying what he does has never been done and will never be done again. Most likely, I don't ever foresee somebody being able out to go out and and hit and pitch and do it back to back nights. And you know he, he had what one f war between two nights on yes. between hitting and pitching like that that's crazy that you can be worth that much to a team. And, you know, and, and I hope he can keep it up. I really do, but I'm, mm-hmm. we're in, what is this year three or four of?
1: This is really the, his second full healthy season. Yeah. Cause he did a, he did both his first year, but then his arm got hurt and he just hit. And he really just hit until 2021, until last yeah. year. That was like the first time that he was completely healthy and he won an MVP and had the greatest individual season in the history of the sport.
2: Yeah and and you hope it keeps up you hope he stays healthy because it's got to just be hell on your body to go and do that imagine. it's 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 insane the fact that he isn't hurt more is just nuts to me um so y- you know if, if he keeps this up for like 6 years right and then he goes okay i've got to focus on one or the other and he's probably going to choose hitting mm-hmm. um that's fine because i'll sit there and i'll every time every time that otani's pitching like i'll sit there and i'll go on my phone and I'll scroll through the days and I'm like, okay, Atani's pitching on this day. I got to make sure and at least like be near my phone so I can see updates and like just appreciate, you know, reading about and, and watching something that you, you can't even describe to somebody that doesn't know baseball that well. That's the thing. Because yeah. you, you go, oh yeah, he hits and pitches. And it's like, you know, people that don't know baseball are like, yeah, so does every kid in high school. And it's like, you, you don't understand how yeah, hard it's, that it's is. Yeah, it's entirely
1: different. It's nuts. It's,
2: it's, it's a whole... It's a whole different level of athleticism, is what it is. It's just raw un- athleticism.
1: Yeah, so the Angels will be in town. Uh, July 25th, 26th, 27th. And if you were looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fees, saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can even save more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. And that code again is kcsn 22 so we can kind of air some grievances at this point in the podcast because we have some some comments from dayton more than i want to go over oh boy when he was at the i believe it was the uh, see you in the big leagues uh baseball youth baseball camp at the jewish community center in kansas city on monday he was asked about cal eldred how everything was going i believe it was either that or it was an interview on 810 i, I can't quite remember but i know it was a comedy made earlier this week And was asked about Cal Eldred, the pitching coach, and how everything was going and how he felt it was going. And and then I can't remember the exact question, but here's the quote that I want to talk about. Cal is doing a tremendous job as as far as his attitude is concerned. I know there's an attitude of collaboration that exists from all of our pitching people to make sure that we're providing the players with the right information. We are making the necessary adjustments for them to be successful, and we're seeing some growth. We're seeing some growth take place, and I don't I know it doesn't happen as quickly as we all like. So I do agree to a degree that we are seeing some improvement. I think we saw Daniel Lynch have a good start. I think Chris Bubic is starting to look a little more comfortable. Brady Singer has been, you know, kind of he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit, but hasn't been terrible. And John Heasley's been good. Uh, that still ultimately gets to the Royals being between 27th and 30th in literally every statistical category when it comes to pitching, we're still looking at a historically awful pitching staff in Kansas city. The Royals are last in major league baseball in strikeouts. They are, they are 30th in baseball and walks allowed. It's not, I don't know, I don't think it's getting better. And I, that is great that Cal Alger is having a great attitude through this. That is fantastic, but this is a results based business. And that attitude obviously isn't getting through to these guys because the pitching staff is still ultimately terrible.
2: Yeah and I think you can look at them firing the pitching coach pretty quick this year and hitting the, coach? the hitting yeah the hitting coach they fired the hitting coach pretty quick this season and the hitting immediately picked up mm-hmm. like statistic not even statistically but just watching the game the approaches at the plate like it looked like they actually had swung a bat before and that happened 2 weeks after they they fired their hitting coach and then you look at our our pitching and you know like you said you you got a you got a 5 team ERA you know, you're, you're dead last in strikeouts. You you know, you've walked the most batters in baseball. They're they're giving up an average of 0. .75 runs in the first inning. Like, I don't know how many times I'll sit down to watch a Royals game. You know, you get the notification on your phone, and then you, you mosey on over to the TV and turn it on. And if, heaven forbid, they're at home, you're going to turn that game on, it's going to be 1 or 2 to 0 bef- before, yeah, before you free. even get your beer and sit down. I mean, the game—the game is is constantly an uphill battle because every time that I turn the game on, in the first, it's you know, in later in the game, it doesn't get a whole lot better. Like the the eighth, the eighth and ninth, seventh and eighth inning, they're averaging the same amount of runs given up, and it's like it's it's so frustrating to not even give your guys a chance, right? Because you you throw your dude out there, and you're like, okay, it's going to be different this time. We're not going to change anything, but it's going to be different. We're going to we're going to get out of this first inning without throwing 40 pitches and giving up two home runs. And then it doesn't happen. And then the Royals lose, you know, six to five or something. And it's all because they couldn't get out of the first inning without giving up a couple runs. And it's your team attitudes. Great. That that's, that's a huge part of baseball. It's such a mental game. It's such a long season. You don't want to have so many in the clubhouse that can't relate to your players. But like you said, at a certain point, it is a results based business. And if, we are not getting any results, any normal person would be fired, right? If I went into my job and they were like, you know, you're not at your computer, Um, you're not doing your work, you're always in the team conference room and you're always at the break room talking to people. Everybody loves you, but we're paying you to do a job and the job's not getting done. Any normal company would fire that person. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch because you know that there's so many more improvements that could be made if they would just get over an old friendship and let Eldridge go
1: yeah and i i hope that that change i i don't have hope that that change is going to happen before the end of the season yeah. it just doesn't seem like the royals have that same the same confidence in an in-house option like they did to make the move to fire terry bradshaw and move on to alex Zumwalt. it just didn't doesn't seem like they have that same surefire option which is leading to continually sending Cal Eldred out there, which is just, it's been a recipe for disaster every mm-hmm. single time. And we're still seeing consistently. And I know that it's a very recency buy or confirmation bias thing, but we're still seeing it. Mound visit three run Homer mound visits, walk single. Yeah. All right. That, that happened on the Sunday of the Orioles game. I know was one instance of it where mound visit three run Homer Brady singer goes out there. And I believe that was on Sunday. And it was mound visit, walk, walk, hit by pitch. And those were with all with the bases loaded. La- or, uh, Tuesday night, you give up a leadoff single to uh, Taylor Ward, mound visit, walk Mike Trout, three-run homer to Shohei Otani. Now, I understand those last two names. I get it. But it's just another data point in the something in the message that Cal Aldridge is sending out there to these pitchers is not working. And these pitchers are too important to this rebuild because they've invested so much into them. You cannot continue to send him out there. It's clearly not working. And I know that I am preaching to the choir here because I know everybody listening is in lockstep with me, with Braden on (laughs) that this just isn't working, but it's just going to be the way it is, I think, at this point, at least for the rest of this year. And then maybe we see a change next year.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I think you're right because it feels like they packed it in, right? Like way. it feels it feels like they're just kind of they're just writing out the losses, right? They're just like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wait till the all-star break, we're gonna ship off, you know, everybody that's worth something, and we're gonna pack it in till next year. Like, you know, it's it's only June, but they're already looking at February. Like there's no there's no any there's no urgency, right? There's no like and I think that's kind of Matheny, right? Because he wants to be such a player's manager is that he doesn't instill any urgency into his staff where he's not like, okay, we need to show improvement. Like these guys have to progress. Yeah. He's just like, okay, you know, go out there. You know, if, if we if we get shelled and we have to pull Singer in the second inning because he gives up seven runs, that's fine. We've got until February to figure it out. And it's like, it's such a defeatist attitude to it in, not because this didn't even happen in June. This happened in, in March or, or in April, in, in May. Where you know they had, they started off okay, and then they had that huge losing streak, and it seems like everybody in the office was like, "Well, there it is, that's the, that's the season. So let's just let's just keep going. Let's not change anything, and we'll we'll come back with a fresh a fresh blank slate for 2023." And it's it's so disheartening to watch all these young guys, you know because a lot of your improvement happens in the offseason, but it's also a learning opportunity in the season. Yes. That's that's how you figure out who your pitchers are, which ones, you know, break under pressure, which ones should be starters, which ones should be relievers, which guys you should trade, which guys, you know, you know, need need a, a middle reliever role, that kind of stuff. And they're not testing it out because it's the same thing every time. They're not moving dudes around. They're not giving them different looks. They're not, you know... Telling them to throw one pitch, you're you're losing. Experiment, right? Put Singer in the bullpen. Who cares? You know, just see where people stick. See if see yeah. if something works for them. Put them put them in a different position for a month. Have them throw more change ups for a month, right? Just see what's going on. Because if you're gonna lose, at least get something out of it. At least glean some information and some data, and know what you need to actually fix. Because right now it seems like where we were in february and where we are now nothing has changed so and and i know i'm ranting here but that's that's just kind of how it feels is that everything is just stuck and they're they they do not nobody nobody's going to be the one that moves it nobody's going to you know put put the put the fire under somebody and say okay this needs to change now it's not going to happen with this this whole front office it's not going to
1: happen yeah, it certainly feels that way. At this point, I've reached the, the grieving part. Like I've reached acceptance at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just kind of there because I know that 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 change in the pitching department will not happen. So at this point, there's no there's no point in me dwelling on it. And I'm going to try not to hammer that point every single week. But there's a good chance it's still going to come up because that's just the way it is. The other quote, I believe it was from the pregame on Sunday, a radio interview, and Dayton Moore said. Our environment is one of encouraging the one that shows the importance of exercising patience and belief and trust in one another. It's probably cost us wins on the field. There's no doubt about that saying the quiet part out loud, but in the long run, we're developing champions off the field. And when you do that, you have a chance to, you have a better chance to win champ a world championship on the field. At the end of the day, I think it's really important that we continue to use this platform to grow players and help them become men and fathers and husbands, great brothers and great teammates. Now, well, I understand the sentiment of the quote and I understand what he was going for. That's something I basically told my 12U rec league team that I coached a couple yeah. of years ago with my dad. That's a middle school, that, high
2: school baseball coach. That is, that. That.
1: that's something that Alex has probably said in some capacity to his high school team. That's not something you say about your professional major league baseball team. And I understand yeah. that Dayton Moore is a culture guy. And the Royals generally do have a good culture when it comes to that sort of thing. Totally understand. But that can't take precedent over winning ballgames. As I mentioned from the previous quote, this is a results-based business. And when you say a quote like that, if the Royals were in first place, no one would bat nine. It wouldn't matter. Like, Even if like, they okay.
2: were in fourth place, I'd feel better about it.
1: But it just rings hollow when you're yeah. 20 games below five you You're in last place in a bad division. And it doesn't seem like they've reached the bottom yet. I, yeah. you, can, you can believe that you want to have champions off the field, and that's great. You can believe you want to have, uh, you know, you can believe what you want with that, right? But you gotta, I'd rather have champions on the field too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not saying compromise your beliefs and compromise that culture to win, but the winning's got to come with it. It can't, it can't be, you know, like, those two can't be separate entities, And it seems like they are and they're sacrificing the wins to build a good culture that is already there. And we already have, and it's not like this has been a winning culture to begin with. We are now in the middle of year 17 of Dayton Moore. This is going to be year 14 in which they have a losing record. So you've got to make some changes. I've been hammering this for the entire year, change something up, do something different. I don't know. Incentivize winning. I don't know. Is that crazy?
2: No, it's not. It's, it's, It's the small market team mentality, right? They're they're like, Okay, we got we got twenty fourteen and fifteen. We'll always have that. It's it's kinda like growing up, we always had eighty-five, right? Yeah. Where it's like, Okay, the Royals they're not good. They're they've got no money, which that's a whole different conversation. A whole different
1: conversation. We don't need to go there. But
2: like you're you're you've got a low payroll, you've got a surprisingly large fan base. That's the thing about Kansas City, is when the Royals are good, you can't step foot outside and go one foot without seeing blue when the Royals are good that team is is huge in Kansas City Kansas City loves their sports teams they love the Royals it's a baseball town but like I don't know man I don't know where I was going with that I just lost my train of thought but it's it's just good yeah it's it's frustrating
1: that 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 quote to me frustrated me more than the one about Cal
2: yeah yeah, that that is frustrating because those shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You shouldn't you should be able to build good dudes and also build a winning program. I don't understand like it's not like a video game where you're putting points into different training categories. Like you can do that at the same time. That's why you hire a good pitching co- coach so that you can work on the culture thing while your pitching coach teaches them how to pitch
1: and actually and, be good at it. Yeah,
2: and and they'd be they'd be fine, but they're not doing that. They're focusing on a culture of very nice losers. Yeah, we're gonna have the nicest 120 loss team in baseball. It's great.
1: Yeah, at a certain point, you gotta just win games, and in a results based business, we're not seeing many good results. It, yeah. it just continues to show, and I hate I hate it when people said it at the time, and even a couple of years after. But the Royals had one of the flukiest championship runs in like the history of the, the sport, mm-hmm. and it's just continuing to show that because they've been nothing but bad really since. And I don't know where, and I, we haven't reached the bottom of this season. I don't know when they're going to come out of this. This, this, they were hoping was going to be a year that at least the turning point started. I don't even know if they're going to be able to do that next year. If, if it continues yeah. to bottom out the way that we're, we're heading. And I know we had our kind of optimistic takes earlier, get you know, a winning road trip and stuff, but we're still in last place in a division that is not good. I know Cleveland's playing well, but no one looked at the AL Central and was like, yep, there are some great ball clubs in there. Like yeah, some of the, the AL East might make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, the the White Sox are a catastrophe right now despite their record. Everything's falling apart over there. The Twins are the Twins, you know, Detroit
1: they can't say healthy and they're bad. Yeah, and it's an like awful combination of both. Like you
2: should be at least like we're not we don't want a 100 win season. We just want a 65-70 win season. That would be great. I don't even so, know if they're
1: going to get to that, man. They I mean. know. They're, They're pacing, like, I think 105 losses right now, or we might still be trending toward 110, which would be the worst in franchise history. Yeah. I I don't know what the pace is at this point, but it's not... And at the
2: beginning of the season, when they were playing well, I was thinking, okay, we could probably win 80 games. Like, 80 games seems attainable. We're not going to win the division. You know, somebody's going to run away with it. We thought it would be the White Sox at that point, but it ended up being Cleveland. And, And I was like, okay, if we win 80 games that would be a huge like look towards 2023 it would be like okay here come the royals again it would feel you know i thought this was our 2013 right that's what everyone kept saying this is 2013 next year's 2014 you win it in 24 and i was like all right we're gonna bring up all our young dudes our pitching is gonna be you know we're gonna have because the bullpen played really well at the beginning of the season i was like Dayton, I was like, okay, I didn't really trust this, but he put together another 2014-15 Royals. We're just a year out. But now it's looking like the only thing he knows how to do is put together a 14-15 Royals, and it's not going to work again. He, he has not adjusted. In seven years. Yeah, and the Royals are part of the reason that it changed. So you can't rely on that old thing. Like the you know These teams that are con- consistently in the playoffs. They're not doing the same thing every time. They're changing it up. They're, they're evolving with the game. They're the ones evolving the game. They're not stuck seven years ago trying to recreate something that yeah. shouldn't have worked in the first place. Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, I don't want to hammer that point for too long, but it uh, at least needed to grieve a little bit. And yes. Have, I, th- I feel like there's just going to be like a weekly festivist segment at this point. Like it's just that, that time of year. We've got to get it out somehow. Well, we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. so i have a confession to make um carlos santana might be good again
2: i don't know man he's he's let me he's hitting at three
1: stats. he's slashing 356 482 556 in june
2: in june yeah so he's turned it around
1: now some of this has been in a very limited role uh, he's not playing every day and <laughs> when they said a couple weeks ago that uh Mike, Mike Matheny, "I'm like he's got to get used to not playing every day and, you know, be on the kind of ride the bench a little bit. I'm like, you are. You're so close. You're so close to the right <laughs> answer. And they're just not going to get there yet. Yeah. And they're talked about wanting to find a way to trade him. And he and when they were talking about this, he was legitimately one of the worst hitters in baseball. And I, my buddy, Josh Kaiser, of Royals Farm Report, sent me this little nugget that I, I didn't even realize how actually significant the change was for him. A lot of that change is also correlated with the hitting coach change. But through, for his first 101 plate appearances, like we're looking at the same sample here, so we got 101 plate appearances. Uh, his first 49 weighted runs created plus 482 OPS. So like 200 points worse than league average, and 40 and 51 percent worse than league average at a parks park league adjusted. In his last 98 plate appearances, roughly the same sample, 148 weighted runs created plus and 856 OPS is he the is he is this sustainable i don't know but what you need to do is for the very very low low price of like a firm handshake and a six pack of beer just trade him yeah just make that trade now hopefully someone is dumb enough and desperate enough to do it the braves were dumb enough and they were desperate enough last year when acuna went down to trade for solaire after like the only 10 good games that he played the whole season and they won that trade and they won that <laughs> trade i mean hey, casey Kalich isn't too bad but
2: no no i'm just saying like an immediate payoff nobody thought solaire would do what he did in october don't
1: go be world series mvp after yeah. being one of the worst hitters that, in baseball that, for the first if, three and a half months yeah. if you
2: told me that in june i would have slapped you in the face and i own a jorge solaire jersey it's in my closet you i do. love that man but he was not good so and I don't I don't see Santana doing that. He's he's too old. He's thirty-six, yeah. like he's he's serviceable at first yeah, base. I,
1: like, I was being hyperbolic when I said good. He's been better like relative yeah. to the horrendous play that he had earlier in the year that looked like but I I we're at a point now where the Royal like he's not bad enough that the Royals are gonna DFA him.
2: Yeah, they got to try and trade him, and I think, I think it has more to do with offloading his contract than anything else, because you've got, you've got dudes you can call up.
1: Yeah, like I would much rather watch Vinny Pasquantino or Nick Prado or Carl it, Santana, and we all would. And I, we are going to keep saying it, Vinny Pasquantino, Vinny Pasquantino, Vinny Pasquantino, who is a top 100 prospect now, which is cool. Uh, I feel vindicated every single time I see yes. a national publication say that he's good, because I've known he's good. I don't know how much longer he's going to be here. like Carl Santana is going to be around. I hope that they're like, he has like another two week stretch in him of 120 way to runs created plus maybe even a little bit like league average, like is league mm-hmm. average at high bar to clear. It probably is. Yeah. But you give, you give teams another week and a half of data that shows, Hey, he can be a good bench bat against lefties. Cause that's where he's getting a lot of his run right now is playing mm-hmm. first base or DH against a lefty. And you know, hitting from the right side as a switch hitter, and he's been he's been solid. He had a really good game. He had a four hit game in that game on Tuesday against the Angels out of nowhere. So I hope that he continues to play well, so the Royals and have a reason to try and move him. And that because I know they don't want to DFA him because that would mean that they would have to eat the money that's remaining on his deal, which they don't want to do, mm-hmm. even though they should because. The, like it's sunk cost and I, and stop falling for the sunk cost fallacy that, Oh, yeah. we're paying him. So let's just keep playing. him. It's like, no, good teams don't do that. Well, winning, winning teams don't do that.
2: No. And, and, and if, if you're not going to get anything out of him for a trade, right? If it's not even worth trading him, which anything would be worth trading him, but if no team bites at it, there's nothing wrong with just having him still platoon and ride the bench three days a week you know yeah and I mean, and that's fine. like yeah. it's it's okay they're not they're not they're not going to need a roster spot in October like it's whatever so you you kind of just and, and we all know why he's there right and nobody wants to say it, it's just because he's a veteran he's, he's he's 36 he's been playing for so freaking long they just they want they, they want veteran leadership in your clubhouse for the young guys and it's it's been okay I guess you, that's not that's an intangible thing you can't measure that so when you tell somebody that hey your your player who's garbage is there to help our other players it's like well, don't we have coaches for that you know yeah. it's I don't know so if if he ends up you know riding the bench the rest of the season and then you know they cut him at the end or I don't know what his contract looks like This is
1: the last year of his deal.
2: Yeah, like if, if you're not if if nobody's going to trade for him you don't need to DFA him you might as well just pay him the rest of his contract and keep him on the bench or something and play somebody else.
1: If you're going to do that and like in that scenario, I'm okay. Like if you want to have him be your, you know, lefty killer on playing first base or whatever, and you want to platoon him with a Vinny or a Nick until they come up, that's fine. But that would mean you're probably going to have to get rid of Ryan O'Hearn, who apparently is the greatest pinch hitter in baseball history. Yeah. like. <laughs> but I think that but he also has options. You can option him down and bring up Nick Prada, who is on the 40. If you want to make an easy move, you don't want to you don't want to crunch that roster spot for the best first baseman in your organization and Benny, mm-hmm. then fine. But just make a move. Like I am Like it still kind of pains me to watch Carl Santana go out there every day. Like I don't know how much longer he's gonna be able to sustain playing this well. He's been good the last two weeks, and that's awesome. But how, is he gonna be able to be three fifty six hitting good for Another two week stretch? I don't think so.
2: Yeah, he. But for the royal's sake, he better. If he can, if he can keep this up until mid July, and they can get anything for him. Right now, we're all huge Carlos Santana fans. Yes. That that's are. that's the thing. Is is he's like you said. He's not bad enough to DFA. He's not good enough to get anything right now. He needs to pick a direction and go. And yeah. we need to get this whole thing over with because I thought it was a weird thing to bring him in in the first place a couple years ago. And obviously it hasn't worked out. I think, I think he's gone. If he's good enough, I think Ben somebody somebody's going to want him. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he's got enough versatility to plug him into anywhere. And you know, the Braves might get him. Who knows? They just lost, uh, what is, uh, what's his face? Um, not Acuna, but um, Albies. Yeah. They just lost Albies and you know how they are with replacing players like Obviously, Benintendi's an outfielder, but, but there's another guy somebody's going to want him.
1: There's another guy you could possibly trade that could play second base.
2: What, Lopez? Or Whit Merrifield, you Yeah,
1: know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Alex and I talked about it earlier this week on Royals Farm Report. I feel as confident as I've ever felt that the Royals could actually move him. It feels like there is a legitimate possibility that that happens. There are enough desperate teams that I think it can... It can be done. He's been Whit Merrifield of old the last six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. He had a weird stretch there for a couple of weeks. Nice, by the way. Um, he had a, he had a nice you know he had a nice month stretch and then the last couple of weeks were okay and now he's been a little bit better on the west coast. So maybe maybe there's something there and you can go and get something for him. Package like a Benintendi and a Scott Barlow and then package a Whit and a Josh Stomont or whatever combination of that you want and go and get and replenish the system a little bit with some, you can probably go and get top 10 type guys in organizations, especially you can probably even go a little higher than that with some desperate teams like Atlanta, who's wanting to stay hot and go defend their title Toronto, who I've talked about in the past that really want to get there, Mm -hmm. you know, the Padres, the giants, there are going to be teams that are going to try and win the arms race and try and get as many guys as they can to compete with, the Yankees and the Dodgers and the, and the Astros that are going to be the teams that are likely going to be there at the end and they want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. So the Royals have assets and when you're in last place just go trade those guys. Yeah. And you're probably going to be able to get something decent for them and I'm I'm fascinated to see what they end up doing with it all or how they decide to to divvy up the and allocate these resources. I hate talking about people in that way, but it is a resource to go and trade to replenish your organization. Mm-hmm. And that's the Royals are in a good place to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of the reason that nobody wanted to acknowledge why we kept Merrifield around and it was for ticket sales. It was, especially it was when Salvi was hurt. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kinda like in, you know in Moneyball, like at the beginning when they lose all the big you know, they lose Damon and they lose everybody and they, they they're taking those banners down. Yeah. And they put up the, the the David Justice banner and that's it. And it's like, okay, if if the Royals had gotten rid of Wit, all we would have had was Salvi for like a year and a half two years but now you've got now you've got bobby Wood jr now you've, you've still got salvi got you know MJ. You, you got mj you could put singers up there and it's like you've got enough people you've got enough household names to sell jerseys to sell tickets to get people to talk about the team and you don't need a negative negative point seven war player on your team to do that anymore and and if somebody wants him because he's you know he hasn't been hitting the best, but he still sore forty bags last year. He's still quick. He's still good in defense. You can play him literally anywhere in, in the infield besides first, and you can put him in the outfield wherever you want. Like somebody's going to take him, and the Royals don't need that face anymore. From a, from a business side, not from a team side, but from a business side, he's he's kind of not the thing anymore.
1: That's true. That's, so that's, that's a great. Th- that's a great point.
2: I think that's kind of what they were waiting on. Is they were waiting for these young guys and these other dudes to become a household name, so that when you go to a Royals game, you know you've got you got the people that you know, like my parents, that go to a Royals game every once in a while, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I know this person." It's not nine people. They it's not eight people they've never known the name of in Salvi. It's it's a team that you can actually get people to go to the game for and turn the TV on for.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right. So so one final thing before we get out of here. Lorenzo Cain was designated for assignment by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he was ultimately released and cleared waivers. Uh, I believe that was yesterday. So. And they did, uh, what I appreciate is that the Brewers kind of strung him along. He didn't play a ton this year. Uh, but they let him get to his 10 years of service time so that he can be mm. fully vested in the pension, which is a big, big deal uh, for major league guys. The Royals have done that with some guys like Greg Holland, Danny Duffy, Rod nice Dyson, uh, brought them back so that they can get their 10 years the Brewers did that for Lorenzo Cain and it sounds like he's done the way he's talked about. It sounds like he's probably at the end. Uh, if it's not now, then maybe then the end of this year. And he talked about, according to Jeffrey Flanagan, who was former Royals writer for MLB.com, the Kansas city star that he, he wants to retire a Royal. Like he would be, he, that's something he would love to do at minimum. The Royals need to sign him to a one day contract so that mm-hmm. he can retire a Royal. And if you really want, if you really want to get people in, for the last couple of months of the season, I mean, hell, the Royals are already doing a thirty dollar a month subscription to go to games because <laughs> no one wants to go. So you're yeah, already not it's, desperate now. It's hot as
2: hell in the middle of Truman County, and they need people to go actually sit in stands and watch the game. I think, I think Lorenzo Cain would. I don't think he would. It wouldn't be something that would last, right?
1: No, it it's, would be like the, you sign him for the rest of the year. Yeah. He can be your, like your bench, you know, fourth outfielder. He can be a defensive replacement and he can play him against lefties and just kind of let him ride out the end of his career. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. If the Royals were semi decent, I'd be like, okay, sign him to a one day and just let him go. At this point, I don't care. Like, I, just, I would love to watch Lorenzo Kane play center field in Kansas City one more time.
2: Yeah i think i think what i what i mean is like the the newness of it right so you sign lorenzo Kane and it makes the papers like lorenzo Kane coming back to kansas city you know comes come see him play center field again and all these people come out to the stadium for the first week and they watch him go you know over four one for four play pretty decent center field and they're like oh yeah that was fun and then they stop coming to the game and then I, i think he's got his service time you know, like you said, he got his 10 years, so he's not really hanging around for anything. And he's said in multiple interviews that his body is just like, I need you to stop. Like, yeah. he wants to keep going, but his, I mean, think about how, how long he's been doing what he's been doing. Like, the dude is, you know, he's, he's 36. He's 10 years of playing center field will take a toll on anyone's body. Um, so I, I think that if they signed him, it would, you know, they, they probably wouldn't play him every day. It would just be something to get headlines, and I think that that would be nice to do because it would be cool to have him, you know, do the Alex Gordon thing where he comes out and retires, and they have the whole yeah. fest festivities about it. Salvy comes out and gives him, you know, some kind of thing, and they put him in the Royals Hall of Fame, obviously. Um, but it it's it's kind of a weird way to go when you're trying to be a new team, but you're also collecting relics. You know?
1: Yeah, like, I, I get it. Yeah, it's one of those like if they do it, great. If they don't, I'm not gonna. Not going to raise hell about it. Yeah. Either way, I think they need to make it so he retires a royal.
2: Yeah. Whether that's
1: one day or he he comes back as a fourth outfielder for the rest of the year, regardless, the last uniform he should wear is a Kansas City Royals one.
2: Yeah, and if he's willing, I'm I'm certain. And then if they if he just cleared waivers, I bet you they're talking to him right now, and they're just like, "How long do you actually want to play?" Yeah. And they're they're probably trying to time it. Um. As close to peak July attend like attendance as they can, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if they have a home game on Fourth of July, but I wouldn't be surprised if next week they said Lorenzo Kane has been signed by the Kansas City Royals. He's gonna, you know, come see his come see him on Fourth of July.
3: Yeah. You know, and he comes out
2: be- and-, and they do the fireworks show and he's like, Okay, I'm retiring a Royal. That that would be something that I could see them doing. So I, I would I would bet it happens if it's gonna happen, it'll happen by Fourth of July. If it doesn't, then I don't think it'll happen at all.
1: I, I think that's fair. It'll be it'll be kind of fun to see. But I mean, that was a hell of a career. He was by far my favorite Royal on those those 14, 15 teams. One of my favorite Royals of all time. Uh, Royals Hall of Famer. Ten, I mean, ten years in the show, man. That is that's a crazy accomplishment for anyone. And with his story and the way he got into baseball, I mean, it's one of the one of the best ones out there.
2: And that smile, man.
1: it's the best. You can't
2: beat that smile. salvi has got a good one, but man.
1: Okay, wh- okay, what was better? Watching him make a diving play or watching the lean back when he hit a ball 400 feet?
2: The, the, the Lorenzo Kane lean when he could back when he could hit a ball 400 feet, that was something to behold. It was like when, when Escobar would hit a, a first pitch in Duke. Yeah, it, so much so that when Syndergaard threw at him and was that game, game four? Within yeah. three or four where he threw at him because he didn't want him hitting a first pitch home run. It's like they that that, that team had so much swagger.
1: Yes, god. And god. I'll be
2: sit, I'll be sitting in my rocking chair when I'm eighty years, 80 years old talking about the twenty fifteen Royals, because that's all we'll have.
1: <laughs> Hopefully it's not that long. Uh all right, before I get you out here, I ask this to all first time guests at least. Um yeah, taking a bat at the K. I'm pretty sure I would know the answer to this, but what would your walk up song be?
2: Money for nothing.
1: Yeah, I knew it. I, right after I, the Sting intro. Yep. I you can't beat it. it. I knew it.
2: And nobody's had a better answer than that. I guarantee you.
1: I think someone, I think my buddy Alec, or Alec Lewis from Athletics said through the wire.
2: Through the wire is cool, but God, you just, you hit that guitar riff. Yeah. You feel like you're going to run through a brick wall and hit a home run with a toothpick. Like you just, you want to do some damage when you hear that. It doesn't even matter if it's baseball.
1: That's that's completely fair.
2: The dire straits are the best.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, hey, buddy, thank you for coming on and doing this with me. I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad I finally got to get you on one of these things. You've listened to me record podcasts in college in our room as you got you and Colin, our other buddy, were uh, screaming playing video games and ruining my recordings. Oh, yeah. but-
2: no, we made them better. We enhanced <laughs> your takes. When you heard Colin, you idiot, through two walls, that's how you knew it was going to be a good night.
1: That's fair. I think that actually, ironically enough, was one of the better episodes that I recorded that day too. There you go. What a time. But hey, thank y'all so much for tuning into this. We'll be back next week. Hopefully the Royals are better. We'll talk to y'all then.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?